Ladies and gentlemen, another exciting episode of Duty Honor Real Estate. This time, it's an incredible guest. And I think every audience member would agree of how important this guest is. It's a doctor, Dr. Schlow. Thank you so much for coming on and giving us incredible knowledge. Now, let's get right into it. Doctor, please tell us more about your journey because you are an active duty Air Force physician but you're also here in Colorado Springs dabbling in real estate. Yeah. Tell us about how you got to beautiful Colorado Springs. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, it's been great being friends with you over the years and getting to know you and, and see you guys grow this podcast as well as the real estate business. So thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, my journey, well, it could be uh, summed up uh, quickly or as long as you want it to be. But uh, always wanted to be a doctor. Grew up in Virginia uh, in, a, in a small town. And uh, went to undergrad at Christopher Newport University. Uh, and then I ended up going to the Medical College of Virginia in Richmond, Virginia. While I was uh, in my last year of college, I applied for the HPSB program, which is the Health Promotion Scholarship Program for the Air Force. Always knew I wanted to be a military doc. Wasn't really sure what branch. My brother, identical twin brother, was in the Army. Uh, and he had some issues with the Army paying for his school loans. So he said, hey, don't do the Army. Uh, and so that led me to the Air Force. And I have a lot of family members who have served in the military before. Um, so during college, I applied for that health promotion scholarship program, got that, got accepted to the Medical College of Virginia, um, ended up doing some training for the military before starting med school, uh, commissioned officer training in Maxwell, Alabama, and then uh, started med school in the Medical College of Virginia. Uh, did my time there, four years of med school, learned all about medicine and all that fun stuff. And it was an incredible place to train in Richmond. A lot of trauma, a lot of gunshot wounds, a lot of great stories uh, that we'll probably get into. And then I uh, always knew I wanted to do family medicine. So applied uh, for residency at Eglin Air Force Base and Travis Air Force Base. So uh, two opposite coasts, one in Florida, one in California, and then ended up going to Eglin, which was awesome. So did my residency program there, three years of family medicine tail end of that was all during COVID, which was interesting, uh, to say the least. And then we ended up getting a phone call after our son was born that said, hey, would you rather go to Minot Air Force Base or Cannon Air Force Base? And if anyone listening to this is in the Air Force, they know those are the two like worst bases in the continental United States. So I said uh, to the lieutenant colonel I was talking to, I said, sir, honestly, neither. Uh, but if we have to, we'll go to North Dakota. And long story short, I don't know what happened by the grace of God. Somehow we got Colorado Springs and I'm so lucky to be here. That's how we met. Ended up buying our primary residence here and uh, meeting you there through that way. So that's how we ended up in Colorado Springs. Now stationed at Trever Space Force Base, used to be Air Force Base, uh, where I practice family medicine and uh, take care of active duty dependents, retirees, and kids out there. So kind of full spectrum family medicine. So, yeah. Well, thank God that you didn't join the Army because, one, <laughs> we would never see you. True. I'd never get to meet you. So, And thank God that you came to Springs because uh, I think our city is so much in better hands with you. <laughs> uh, definitely how you literally sacrifice every day. I mean, you're coming off work to take this podcast. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know if that doesn't demonstrate. I don't know what does. But um, so you, you have your first love, which is medical. Mm -hmm. 
But then how does real estate intersect with that? Because it's so demanding and so is real estate. So how do those two passions cross? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, Brian, I uh, have always been interested in real estate. I was always the kid that was like looking at the old like booklets that you could get at the grocery store that said uh, what houses were for sale. Always really interested in real estate in that regard. And um, I grew up from a family. My, my parents ended up getting divorced, and my my dad uh, worked really hard for Andrew and I. and was a great influence uh, in our lives, and we really saw the power of hard work. But my dad went with me when I found out I got into med school in Richmond, and uh, we were walking around looking at apartments. And I got a $20,000 signing bonus with the Air Force. And he said, hey, why don't you buy a duplex or buy a house and fix it up while you're in med school and rent it out and make some money while you're in med school? Uh, I did what a lot of uh, sons don't do, and I did not listen to him. Uh, but he planted the seed there, and he does it. He knows that now, but he didn't know it at the time. He planted the seed uh, for real estate for me uh, through that. Uh, so then, throughout med school, I got really into listening to different podcasts, bigger pockets, and so forth, and uh, ended up renting out one of the rooms in my apartment to help. Uh, apartment hack a little bit, save save some money. And then I knew once I got to residency that we were going to buy a house. So I bought a house in Fort Walton Beach. That was our first kind of real estate investment or at least planned real estate investment. There was kind of a live and flip light. And you know my wife, Steph, she's an amazing photographer and designer. And uh, so the house looks a lot different and way better uh, once we got married and she moved in and whipped that place into shape. So that's kind of how we got started in real estate. And I've been fortunate that the portfolio has grown a bit. And I've got to network with awesome people like you and some other folks who are uh, military investors. And it's just been really fortunate in that regard. So, um, yeah, super grateful for real estate, and we'll get more into the the journey, I'm sure. Oh, of course, and I love those humble beginnings, and it's similar because Lana and I have a similar story how we got in. Her dad is the one who influenced her to buy her first property, so it's good when you have someone close advising you, but before that, I did the same thing. I didn't take any advice. I got a $30,000 loan. Uh, it was the commissioning yeah. loan, and guess what I bought? <laughs> A Ooh. Dodge Charger. Okay, say, yeah, Charger truck or motorcycle. It had to be one of those. Just yeah. unbelievable. So yeah. you're, we're in the same boat, yeah. I guess. Well, I'm probably worse. But uh, but let's get into that real estate yeah. journey, those ventures. And you got a lot balancing what you're doing. First one that hits home with me is obviously the short-term rentals. And so you have three but one of them, you recently sold for a huge profit. Yeah. So just give some insights on investing in STRs and particularly that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, so shout out to my partner, Charlie Cameron. He was stationed at Eglin Air Force Base and uh, got to know him really well. We've become best friends and partners throughout almost all of our real estate deals. And uh, we decided that we wanted to pursue short-term rentals and um, we ended up kind of bouncing around some markets and getting under contract on multiple properties that ended up falling through. One of which was a duplex in Panama City Beach that we were under contract, or sorry, a triplex in Panama City Beach. We were under contract on this triplex for $440,000. And we ended up backing out of the contract because it backed up to a bar. And we were like, oh, grandma who's going to stay at our Airbnb is going to hate that and leave us a poor review. 
uh, that and it needed a little bit of cosmetic work. And we were like, ah, I don't know if we can handle this right now. So we backed out of the contract, got our earnest money back. And uh, that uh, triplex just sold for $840,000. So uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but that was that was the first one we were like, oh, okay. Um, but we ended up looking in LJ, Georgia. We had some friends who uh, had some experience there in that market. And Charlie's uh, father-in-law actually had a property there um, in Blue Ridge, which is a little a little bit north of L&J. And uh, we were looking at some properties, and we came across one uh, that was in the mountains on 20 acres, and we had really grand plans of building that out and putting tiny homes and tents and all this stuff on there to make a bunch of rental units. And we ended up buying this property from afar for 400000 and uh, had the inspections, multiple inspections, septic inspection, and uh, had uh, a handyman go through. We thought we were doing everything by the book. Everything was going to be fine. Closed on the property. We go up there that weekend, and there's standing water in the finished basement. Very clear evidence that there had been flooding previously. And we looked back at the inspection report, and it had no mention of that. Long story short, that house ended up being a nightmare. We ended up putting a, a decent amount of money into it. And uh, we learned a couple valuable lessons from it. One, if you're looking at short-term rentals in really rural environments, you got to check the internet. We assumed we were going to have high-speed internet. This is, you know, 2018, 19 at the time. And um, we just assumed we were going to have really high-speed internet. Ended up, the only thing we could get was dial-up. And this was, of course, right before COVID. So, of course, everyone wants their high-speed internet. And... uh, so that was one lesson learned. We also uh, ended up, we had a septic inspection that was like kind of hit or miss. We ended up having to replace the whole septic system. Um, we had to replace part of the roof. All these things just kept coming up. There was flying squirrels in the attic, which I didn't even know flying squirrels exist in the United States. Uh, but there are flying squirrels in the attic, so we had to do all this pest exclusion. And long story short, we ended up sinking so much money into this property that was unexpected. However, we got really lucky. Um, this was right before Avery Carl and the, the short-term uh, rental shop and all of them really blew up that area. So we got in the market really early. And so we were able to still sell that uh, property for a little over $200,000 more than we paid for it just like a year and a half later. Uh, and we just had enough headaches with that that uh, it was time uh, to let that property go and uh, get our money working in some other ways. Well, thanks for sharing that journey right there and just that those episodes. What I really loved is you really hone in on due diligence. You know, it's tough, you know, Mm -hmm. to get that due diligence learning curve when you're doing your first one to where you are now. And so it's a reminder to do your due diligence all the way from that, you know, it needed cosmetic work. There was some commercial neighbors nearby that may have not been pleasant. (laughs) Uh, But the one in the rural, that's that's really interesting because – I feel like in rural environments or more like exclusive environments where you're away from infrastructure, that's definitely like priority. Like internet is non-negotiable. So I wonder if there was satellite options later on. So we ended up applying for Starlink. As soon as that became available, we got Starlink the week we were closing on the property, selling it. So we never got to use it. No idea how that worked, but uh, we did apply for Starlink. We tried some other options. There was just nothing that we could get out there that was any faster. It was just enough, like on the right day, you could maybe stream a show or something like that. That's so cool. So we just pitched a listing. It's like, hey, this is a great place to come disconnect. And, and it worked out fine. I mean, it did well as an Airbnb, but that was definitely something that we learned that we're like, yeah, this is oh. non-negotiable going forward. So, Dude, hashtag yeah. Elon Musk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, flying squirrels, I mean, yeah, rural environments, you know, more primitive areas. 
I mean, you, there's nature involved. Oh, yeah. And even though nature's a pill for STRs, you got to understand there's other people that live there too. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, so that's cool flying squirrels. But let's continue further because eventually the Lana Rodriguez group got involved in your story. Oh, yeah. And there was a very interesting one, geodesic dome, is that yeah. the word? Yeah. Um, where you got the Instagrammable, yeah. like the poster child of Airbnbs. It's literally like this globe, and it's in a rural environment. And I could only imagine the logistical hurdles. Yeah. So what did you learn about managing distinct properties in unique spaces? Yeah. I think that that's what Airbnb is really looking for right now. I think if you really want to succeed in the Airbnb space or short-term rental space, you really have to have that really unique property. It's got to stand apart from the crowd. Everybody during COVID, you know, was putting their cell phone pictures up of their house. And you're laughing, you know, they were putting their cell phone pictures up. They're renting out whatever they could. And they were making some money during it. But now we've seen really how important it is to have that Instagrammable property, have that unique property that really sticks out. And um, Airbnb's actually posted the dome a couple of times on their Instagram, which has been really cool. But it's, uh, that property is just incredible. I, my partner, Charlie and I, he's also a partner on that house and we have another partner, Emily and, um, Charlie and I talk about it all the time. If we just had a couple more of those domes, we wouldn't need to work again. And, uh, the story of acquiring that we're really grateful for you and making that happen was, was wild. I mean, my, my family was coming to visit. I was, uh, looking on Redfin, you know, as always. And I came across this property show it to my wife, Stephanie, and she's like, we got to buy that. That's the perfect Airbnb. And I had realized that getting involved in short-term rentals and Airbnb was how I could get her on board for real estate investing, which having your spouse in your corner for investing in general, but also real estate investing is just such a pro. And, and she's amazing. I mean, I, I could talk about her for the rest of this podcast. And um, she's like, we have to have that. That's going to be the perfect Airbnb. So I reached out to you guys, and um, my brother was visiting. I was like, hey, what do you think about going to uh, take a look at the dome? And so we woke up at, I think it was 4 or 4.30. That was the only showing that we could get was 7 o'clock there. Drove the two and a half hours, got there, and there was a line of people around this dome just waiting. They had 15-minute showings, and every showing was booked from a Thursday to Monday, I think, if I remember correctly, or Thursday to Sunday. And we go see it. The property needed some some work to make it the Airbnb that it is today, um, but the bones were incredible. And we're like, this this is it. We got to get this. And I remember driving back with my brother, and uh, he was like, dude, this is incredible. Like this property is absolutely amazing. No chance you're gonna get it. And I was like, okay, uh, we'll see. Uh, then came Brian, and I remember we were sitting out the next day. We were actually on in old Colorado City, sitting at a cafe, and uh, you called, and we talked about a couple options and. Next thing you know, he called back and you're like, you got it. And I'm like, how the hell did that happen? Uh, so I still don't know what happened, what conversation you had, but we're cer certainly grateful for that. Because I think at the time they had like 19 or 20 offers on that property. And that was like the first or second day of showing. So it was crazy. Uh, ended up working out really well. My wife and I spent uh, many weekends and like little four-day weekends going up there and, and doing a ton of painting and furnishing and designing and uh, got this really cool jukebox that could like just barely fit in her CRV and put that up there and uh, got buried in the snow a couple times and just had a blast getting this thing set up. And Jack, my, my son, he was about 10 months at the time. And so it was fun. We just bring him up there and strap him to us and be painting the walls and whatever else. And uh, it was a true family affair. 
that property though is just it's just been incredible. I mean, we're we're booked nonstop, and uh, it grossed over a hundred thousand its first year. Um, it's just been great. Yeah, like well, I said, we need some more domes. Congratulations! <laughs> uh, it's so cool because as a professional, uh, seeing you succeed just like makes this vocation even more worthy. Uh, you bring up some great points, and I want the audience to really hone in uh, to succeed in Airbnb because it's really like just eye candy. Uh, and especially in a market where a lot of the Airbnbs are hurting because they didn't do a differentiation. Yeah. And you guys killed it right there. You saw it immediately. And that's another point because if you really want to find a unicorn, you got to go and hunt. Yeah. And you're, you're on your phone. Yeah. You're looking. You're constantly searching, networking to find the next unicorn. And that's what you did. It's, it's not going to happen if you're not intentionally looking. Another thing you bring up is regardless, there is going to be a significant other with you in real estate and you need to align each other in real estate and really leverage each other's strengths. And so it's perfect how you use Steph. Uh, I mean, she's really what creates that competitive advantage um, in regards to the, the eye candy aspect of how she designs and really puts a genuine touch to it. And then lastly, uh, thanks, thanks for, you know, witnessing like what we do for you uh, because like we understand how serious it is because it, it adds to your portfolio mm -hmm. and we want to be part of that history. So it's so important to align yourself with team members. Yeah. Um, so it's great to be a part of it. So this roller coaster doesn't end. You, you even take it to your house yeah. because I think after that you're like, well, how do I do what I'm doing in my house? And next thing you know, I come and you have a full fledged basement apartment yeah in your beautiful home in Northeast Colorado Springs, and you take full advantage of it. So please talk about that. Cause like house hacking, you know, I would think is more for a younger person, not that you're old, but like just not as many dependents. You don't have a family. You have yeah. another person living downstairs yeah. or staying downstairs. How do you balance that? And how did you even think this could work? Mm -hmm. I, well, I, a hundred percent think that anybody can and should house hack. I, I'm a family medicine doctor and I house hack my house. And uh, I think everybody should. It really kind of sets you one step ahead of, of everybody else because you're turning your house, which your primary residence, which really for all intents and purposes is a liability into an asset. And we've been able to leverage our basement apartment using it as a short-term rental or mid-term rental to almost live mortgage-free and insurance and tax-free in Colorado Springs, which is just incredible. It, it was tough to do. I don't know if you remember, Brian, but our, our journey to get just this home was incredible. I think we offered on 18 or 19 houses to finally get this one. And uh, they ended up like listing it on the Denver MLS and not the Pikes Peak MLS. And so we had a lot less competition because the house was here in Colorado Springs. Anyways, again, uh, you guys going above and beyond. So thank you. And uh, we got it closed, but we, we knew we wanted to. We were really looking for a walkout basement, but beggars couldn't be choosers in that market at all. And so we decided that uh, we were going to build a walkout basement for this so we could have a separate entrance and, and turn this into an apartment, basically, with a private entrance. So we ended up uh, hiring a contractor who came out and uh, did the work and, and dug out the basement. So we had that private entrance, and then we put that on Airbnb and rented that out. Uh, I think all in, we, we probably paid about 
eighteen thousand for the for the walkout, and some landscaping work was a little bit more on top of that, and some furnishing. So probably all in about twenty thousand dollars, and we grossed like twenty one thousand five hundred dollars in the first eleven months that that property was listed, uh, which was pretty incredible. And so it's it's been great. It's really allowed us to save a lot of money. It's allowed us to meet some awesome people who have come to stay there. Like I said before, we've done it in a short-term rental space. We've done it in a mid-term rental space as well during the winter. Had a couple of traveling nurses come stay with us. So it's just been really cool also to just meet people who are coming to Colorado Springs, the city which we love so much. So it's, it's been a great ride. And mm-hmm. I really think everyone could and should think about, hey, how can I house hack in some capacity? No, I love it, man. I love how you you put that message out there because in a time where financially I think we're all strained, um, whatever your situation is, and if you do have the ability to sublease, to rent out your primary residence, think about just the implications that's going to have for you. Reduce your debt, help your debt-to-income ratio, um, cause you have to, you might as well leverage more what, yeah. what your asset, what you have, um, love how you bring in that it's not just short term rental because, you know, the regulations in different cities have changed and they change all the time. But I would say most likely there's always going to be an owner occupied, uh, permitted permit, if you right. will, in some, in some cities. And so most likely you can rent out your own property on short-term rental, but you also bring up Furnish Finder. And Furnish Finder has been incredible. So if you're in a market where there is a lot of professionals transitioning, whether it's project management or the medical field, definitely look into Furnish Finder. Because what I do like about that is that you get leases Mm -hmm. which can qualify for income. And yeah, some may only stay for three months, but I just had two nurses stay for almost a year. Wow. So I'm pretty blessed with that. And they pay above market rent. So I think long-term rent is really out out of the question here because you just can't make those numbers work. So you might as well look into that. Another thing you talk about is repositioning a property. And I mean, you spend $18,000, but you're going to make that back in one year. You're going to keep getting positive as you go on because that was money you were never even going to see anyways. So what I would tell the audience is that that's a quick way to add value to your own properties, a quick way to get into real estate investing. And then instead of spending money for, let's say, uh, a better property, a more user-friendly property, why don't you go to something a little bit subpar, maybe not what you want, but you know if you add value, it could increase the value. You can have more leverage for it and more opportunities. So that's a great reminder and a great like barriers of entry to start in your own property. Yeah, if I can, I think another thing, speaking of leverage, that I forgot to mention that that it's important to our story uh, and to folks listening as well. Of course, everybody knows about the VA loan, no money down. You can get up to four units uh, through that. So you can get a fourplex for no money down, live in one unit, rent out the other three. It's incredible. I mean, if I could turn back time, 
I would absolutely have done that. There was was not a lot of small multifamily properties in Fort Walton Beach when we were moving there, or else I, I would have done that. But that's an incredible opportunity. The other thing for physicians that are listening to this is there's a no money down physician loan. So I'm super lucky because I can tap into both of these, right? And so we bought this house that we're house hacking in a primary residence for no money down with a physician loan. Uh, which we could go back and forth on what's better, VA loan or physician loan, but the physician loan has no funding fee. Uh, so I would argue it's a little bit better. But uh, but yeah, no money down. We're able to get this house and uh, turn it into an asset for us uh, going forward. So it, sure, we're like, we over leveraged a bit, uh, but we were able to take that cash and would have put towards a down payment, turn it into a basement apartment that then uh, has generated positive cash flow for us going forward. So it's a really cool opportunity. I, I say often there is absolutely no reason why any doctor in the military should leave the military poor because they can VA loan and they can use the physician loan. I mean, if you just buy a property at each duty station that you go to, no money down and just tack up these units and uh, just have positive cash flow going forward and a lot of rental units once you get out. So it's just, a, it's a really cool opportunity. I love real estate, man. Yeah. No, I love yeah. hearing that passion, especially passion for your niche, uh, which is the physicians and there's no excuse because yeah. you're, you're talking about purchasing power, mm-hmm. you know, you're a military physician. That means you have the VA loan, yeah. then you have the doctor's loan. And then I think the Navy fed has a private VA loan. Oh, wow. So very, yeah. very similar to the VA loan itself. So if you yeah. occupied, so if it's obviously used already and you don't have enough entitlement or whatever, right. um, you definitely can consider Navy fed. So again, there's three houses yeah. there for nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, unbelievable. My first house, that I bought in Florida, I paid $58 out of pocket because there was some like title fee that they couldn't cover. $58, that house has appreciated almost 200000 in its cash flow and $1,000 a month. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Now, people yeah. don't understand the power of appreciation. Yeah. It takes time, but yeah. when it comes, yeah. it comes. It's incredible. Um, so obviously, I, I could feel your passion to for the physicians, but I imagine your, your role as a physician really led to your next endeavor, which is residential assisted living. Mm -hmm. Because obviously you help families, you help people get better. What inspired you to really move into that? Because it's, from my understanding, it's pretty management intensive. I think we tried it here in Colorado and the rules just aren't user friendly. Yeah, yeah, we we did. We tried to buy a property here. The the hardest part is finding an operator and residential assisted living for folks who aren't familiar you know, we all kind of think nursing home, and that's similar. Residential assisted living is you converted a house uh, into an assisted living home. So typically, these are ranch level homes, numerous bedrooms, and uh, it's it's often private pay, but sometimes you can have some Medicaid and different insurances that will pay for the residents to be in these homes. There's a, a wide spectrum of assisted living. You have like the nursing care home, so kind of elderly care. You have behavioral homes for like kids with autism, Down syndrome, et cetera. You have transitional living homes, which is more sober living, folks who are struggling with drug abuse. There's ventilator homes. There's a lot of different uh, asset classes within the, the broader residential assisted living. And so uh, it's really cool to have those different, you know, investment opportunities. We um, got involved in residential assisted living because I'm in in part of a mastermind and uh, Charlie and I are in there. And then uh, Luke, who is uh, our other partner for these assisted living homes, there's the three of us. He started investing in residential assisted living and he came to one of our calls. We we have weekly calls on Tuesday nights and uh, 
we part of it's the hot seat. And he came and he's like, hey, guys, I want to tell you about assisted living. So he was telling us about it. And how, how we do it is we lease the property out to an operator. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about the difference with that, but it's less management. And Luke was like, hey, guys, I think I'm going to um, buy a residential assisted living home, lease it out to an operator. And he was telling us the numbers. And I mean, this, this house was going to cash flow like crazy. And it, and it was on a commercial lease. And so we're like, man, this sounds too good to be true. Keep us posted. And so every Tuesday we were hopping on calls and Luke was telling us about this. And so him and I became good friends and him and I went and we bought a property and then we brought Charlie in to buy two more at this point and hopefully more soon in the future. And, um, you know, that doesn't really answer your question at all, but that was the introduction to it. And then we, you know, for us in our company, Open Range Capital, we, we just want to provide these A-class homes for folks. You know, I think about my grandparents who uh, are, are getting older and are going to need one of these homes and these facilities in the future. And so we have the opportunity to provide these really nice A-class solid homes for folks' parents to come stay. And so we, we really enjoy it. We really enjoy the asset class. Not to mention the incredible need for these homes. We're already about a million beds short in a residential assisted living space. A million. And we haven't even hit the baby boomers who are coming into these homes yet. So it's it's an unbelievable opportunity. I mean, anytime I mention it, I, I just get tons of tons of people who are asking questions and reaching out about it because I think that there's a really great opportunity for this space. Going back to the management piece, there's kind of two ways that you can own an assisted living home. One would be you own the real estate, you own the operations. And so that would be you, you own the operation, so you're in charge of managing the property, hiring the caregivers, hiring folks to take care of the residents, you know, providing meals, all the day-to-day care that's needed uh, for the residents of these homes. The other way we do it is we own the real estate, then we lease it out to an operator. That's a commercial lease. Um, and so they're responsible for all the maintenance, all the utilities. They're responsible for all the care of the caregivers. They're really responsible for everything day to day. We're responsible for the mortgage and for the taxes. And that's it. So um, it's really awesome. And these are typically three to five year leases uh, with 3% annual increase is what we have written into the leases. And it's been really incredible because uh, once you find a good operator, which is certainly the hardest part, once you find a good operator and you get them in and you get the home established and set up, it can be fairly passive. Uh, and the cash flow uh, is, is fantastic. I mean, for example, we just closed on our first home that we raised money for, which that was a Congrats. terrifying and fun experience. Thank you. Uh, we raised $200,000 uh, towards this home, and uh, it was wild. You know, we ha- we've never done that before, and uh, the, the fear of that was definitely something we could talk about. But uh, we did it. It was awesome. It, uh, we raised money so quickly. It was unbelievable. We couldn't believe uh, that that could happen. And, and so then it was just crazy to see how you can leverage other people's money to buy more real estate and provide great returns and, and great assets and, and great homes for residents. But the last one we bought, it was 975000 in Arizona. Uh, it's eight beds, five baths, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. And it's already operating as assisted living. But the new operator was going to come in and pivot that to memory care. And so a memory care home is for folks who have dementia. Typically, that's the most common patient or folks who've had traumatic brain injuries and they need a little bit more care than your typical assisted living home. And so uh, we bought that for nine seventy five. We signed a lease for $11,000 a month on a 3% annual increase. And again, they're paying for everything. 
So, uh, you know, we're responsible for mortgage taxes, insurance. We're paying our investors 10%, uh, and we're still cash flowing 800-ish dollars a month per partner. So 2,400, 2,500 bucks on this property. Yeah, so it's pretty cool, man. We love it. I mean, it's the cash flow of Airbnb uh, with more passivity from the way we have it set up once you get everything established. So uh, it's all about networking, just like everything else, to find good operators, to find good realtors. But, oh, man, it's fun and a great space. Wow. I hope everyone, you know, wrote down their master class <laughs> about how to get into assisted living. Uh, you bring up so many things. And what I love about this podcast is really – emphasizing these golden nuggets that these guests talk about. And one of the things I love is that you're finding a niche that almost aligns with your other passion. Yeah. And to me, that's going to be demonstrated on what, on how you operate, how you manage it, how you look for it. You're looking for some class A yeah. uh, because it bleeds into, I think, the purpose, which is human dignity. Yeah. Uh, because at the end of the day, we all need a place to live. And I love how you hit home where, you know, I think of my grandfather and he died falling down some steps in his house. And I never forget that. And so when I think of assisted living, I try to think of like to avoid that, you know, and they should go to some place like that. Uh, But besides the point, I mean, you, you definitely bring it where, it, it can be scaled where you can take a vertically integrated approach, which is probably more management intensive, yeah. but I like it where you can do like a franchise of, approach yeah. where, you know, you hire a management company, does everything right. and you own the real estate and you yeah. manage everything like exterior. So uh, that's really cool uh, because it, it becomes more user friendly that way. I imagine now you're probably thinking of like, well, how do we keep scaling this? Yeah. And, Trust me, we're going to revisit it here in Colorado <laughs> Springs because yeah. I think there's a couple of hotels yeah. that um, deserve this. Yeah. So, uh, no, thanks for sharing. So let's get in because we've been heavy real estate. So if you guys, you know, have been listening, he's talked about short-term rentals. He's talked about unique short-term rentals, the dome. Uh, he's talked about house hacking your own home, really repositioning your property, leverage more money out of it, and then now getting into a niche of assisted living, which is so needed. So right then and there, there's four examples to get started. And by the way, there was a cherry on top of purchasing power. Uh, but let's get into balancing medicine and real estate because those are two demanding mm-hmm. careers. I don't care what anyone says. You're dealing with people from whenever your day starts and then you come home and there's real estate waiting for you. Yeah. And uh, so how do you balance that? Because, I mean, how do you help other physicians, other medical professionals take that leap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot there. I. Do work a very demanding job, a lot of people uh, and uh, a, a lot of uh, discussion, but a lot of joy that comes out of it and getting to take care of, of the military population, the folks that I get to. So so grateful for that. Um, the balancing is difficult. I, I found for me, I'm, I'm definitely a routine person. And so uh, having a morning routine is really helpful. Uh, typically, I'll wake up at five, get up, go to the gym, uh, work out for a bit. The gym's right across the street from the clinic. Uh, so I'll sit in the car, read my Bible a bit and journal and, you know, kind of write down some dreams, some goals and visions. And, um, and then I'll go to work. And when I'm at work, I try and be just at work. 
I get home and my family honestly is my is my top priority by far and I've already talked about how incredible my wife is my son is just as incredible and I want to spend as much time with him as possible I want to be a present dad I want him to remember all the times that I've, I've spent with him and so when I get home I just take my phone put it on the counter it's just me and Jack spending time together until he goes to bed and when I'm home I'm the one that puts him to bed every night and I really cherish that time and block that time my wife and I, we try and connect every night as well, so we at least try and get some time to catch up and, and just spend some one-on-one -on -one time uh, talking and learning from each other, which is great. Uh, and then real estate comes after that. So it, uh, it typically ends up being some later nights uh, with real estate, but just have to find that time and make it a priority, but also realize the whole reason I do this is for more time with my family. Uh, and it's ultimately also to practice medicine how I want to. And that ties in perfectly to uh, kind of what I've started in a community called Physicians and Properties. And our goal really is to just show physicians how investing in real estate can give you the freedom to practice medicine and live life how you want to. And, you know, medicine is uh, a tough field to be in right now. There's a lot of physician burnout. There's a lot of anxiety, depression, uh, mental health issues throughout the nation, but that also has hit the medical field really hard. I mean, especially during the pandemic when, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty with what was going on and then a lot of increased demands on the medical field. And then we just went back right back to work just every day like everyone else um, when everyone else was staying home and so forth. So it was difficult. And um, burnout's a real thing in medicine. And I think that real estate is a way to combat that. And I think that passive income or semi-passive income, because if anybody says that there's truly passive income in real estate, uh, that's not true. It's definitely degrees of passivity. But passive income through real estate or income through real estate can, can help you have that freedom to practice medicine how you want to. And so physician property has been really cool, getting to network with physicians, getting to teach them about real estate, talk to them about real estate, and show them these opportunities that exist. And as we talked about today, there's a lot of different ways to invest in real estate, and that can look really different for anyone. And, um, you know, for physicians, typically that's more passive uh, investing, uh, like in syndications is a good option, but there's tons of ways to get involved in a lot of benefits. And so I really get great joy out of networking with people and networking with folks like yourself and ended up starting a podcast on my own, uh, Physicians and Properties podcast. And it's been unbelievable to see how that networking works and, and, and just to get to connect with physicians who are doing incredible things in real estate and medicine and beyond. So it's been really great. Man. I'm loving this. It's so good. It makes me want to be a doctor in Ooh, real estate. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I'm here to highlight. I'm here to reemphasize these nuggets that you're you're delivering. I would say anyone listening enjoys just dominates their routine, right? Because yeah, yeah. we're we're kind of born into yeah. a structure, and it's hard because in real estate there is no structure. Yeah. Uh, you do have to be on. And what you're reminding people is that intentional intentionality matters. And if you're not, I mean, the world's just going to take you yeah. 20 different directions. And I love how you're, you're really descriptive about it, but also, you know, there's a, there's a manifestation there that you keep reminding yourself that this is what's important. And really it's the discipline. So yeah. we all have discipline if you've been in the military right. for X amount of years. So if you use that discipline yeah. and you've, you mix manifestation, you mix a routine uh, and priorities, I mean, you can handle, you can balance anything. Mm -hmm. You can balance being a doctor, you yeah. can balance being a real estate professional. So definitely want people to, to, to leave home with that. 
Another thing what I really love hearing is how you it's almost like a journey from when you were just a a, a, a medical student, right? Yeah. All the way to now that your your calling gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm gonna get more money, money, money. It's like, wait a minute, now mm-hmm there is a there's a strategic reason why I'm doing this and that is to help the the medical industry to help professionals combat the burnout like you say uh, because it's real I mean we you know me just random patient comes in I'm already mad because <laughs> I've been waiting for yeah. so long and people don't understand the supply chain the the amount of hours and how intense it is yeah. Uh, in any hospital or any clinic, and I, I thanks for reminding you know grumpy <laughs> grumpy consumers like me yeah. or patients like me that there is a burnout, and you're here to aid them through your lessons learned and giving them the confidence that hey, when you're done, mm-hmm. you know when you hang up your white coat. Yeah you are able to fall in on something that carries you forward for even more. Um, And what I also like is how there are going to be like the effects, the fallout of your investment in, in your initiatives is that they're going to help the industry, the hospital industry or the medical industry from a real estate perspective. I mean, when I hear you talk, I think of like Patch Adams. Remember like <laughs> yeah, Robin oh, yeah. Williams? Yep. Like there's going to be doctors out there, medical professionals that take their knowledge of real estate and add value yeah. and help people. It reminds me of one of our clients, charter school developer, Third Future Schools, just let people know, uh, Third Future. And uh, they do an incredible job leveraging public-private partnerships and providing education in that void between public and private. And I see the effects that are going to happen already with what you're doing. You are going to help people not only get financial freedom, but uh, really make their space a better space. So, no, kudos to you and and really excited about that. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I think that Passive income, or I keep saying passive income, I really shouldn't. Income from real estate is going to give uh, doctors the opportunity to provide better care to their patients. I, I really think it's true. If, if you're not worried necessarily as much on that paycheck or, you know, a lot of a lot of clinics are set up as a fee-for-service model where they get paid based off the number of patients that get seen. And, and the, where the healthcare system is and is going is a, a conversation that would take all night long uh, and keeps me up at night often. But I think that if you have another income source coming in, it gives you the opportunity to say, like, no, I'm not going to see this many patients. And frankly, you know, a lot of us are forced to see more patients than we can safely take care of or provide really good care or provide care to the level that, level that we really want to. And so that's really been the motivation for me is, you know, I don't know what my future looks like. I have about a year and a half left in the Air Force. I've been really grateful for this opportunity. But having the opportunity to have this money coming in from real estate to then decide, hey, I want to start my own practice and we're going to do like a direct primary care model, which uh, which I know you're familiar with, where it's more of a subscription based and you have access to your doctor when you need to. And appointments are an hour long instead of 10 minutes and you can just provide so much better care. And so I think any doctor who's in the real estate space, any doctor who's investing or an entrepreneur knows you can just provide way better care when it's not just numbers. It's not just bean counters. So, yeah. 
Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I see the future bright, hopefully here in Colorado Springs, right? I think so. I think so. Uh, no, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing. But let's talk about, I think, another passion that's coming out because you, your whole family, I mean, I would think you guys are more National Geographic journalists <laughs> or something where, I mean, I see you on Mount Everest with your boy taking <laughs> pictures. I'm like, how is he surviving? Yeah. You guys are like ice climbing or whatever. I don't know. I'm probably exaggerating. But how do you even have time? You know, you're balancing your medical career, the real estate, your wife's career. And then you're like, hey, let's go camping, you yeah. know, but you do it pretty routinely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said before, family is priority. And um, everybody who's, who's known me knows that I'm a very frugal person, pretty cheap person. And uh, I tell you what, the, a couple of things that have really just changed my mindset was a, a friend of mine, Brian Lubin, he uh, talked about what's called the 10 year rule. And basically what it is, is if you, if you, if there's something that you want to buy or an experience that you want to do and you have the funds to do it and you're going to be telling stories about that 10 years down the road, then do it. And for us, that was buying a camper. We always wanted to buy a camper and we talked about all these camping adventures that we wanted to have. And so this past winter, we pulled the trigger on a camper and my wife, again, incredible designer, renovated it. It looks amazing. I, I thought we were going to buy like a pretty crappy, cheap camper. Uh, this place is, I mean, it's just incredible. It looks so good. So we bought this camper and it's been so much fun because I love the outdoors. I just absolutely love being in the mountains, love being outside, hunting, fishing, skiing, anything. I just love being outside. And it's been so much fun fun to have that camper, to get that time with my family without the cell service uh, and just be disconnected from the world and just have time with them. And it has been just such a joy. I tell you what, it, it was, it's the best money I think I've ever spent uh, was buying that camper and, and just getting out there in nature with my son who's two and a half and uh, just loves being outside as well more than anything else and just seeing him splashing around in the creeks in Rocky Mountain National Park and fishing and uh, you know seeing elk and bear and moose and all this wildlife going by and just just getting to share those moments with him and with my wife is just it's just been incredible so yeah we really try to prioritize that we're actually getting ready to go on a, a big road trip next week uh, yeah 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 just a pri it's just a priority and um, we're going to do a, a trip through Utah and uh, Arizona and hit the national parks uh, in Nevada, uh, go to Zion. And uh, we're really looking forward to that as long as the government doesn't shut down because then they'll close the national parks. But, uh, yeah, just love it. Just love getting to spend that time with them. And I think that, you know, if someone here is on the fence and they hear that, um, hopefully it motivates you to think about, like, hey, what are your priorities and how can you take some of the financial resources that you have and leverage that for incredible experiences? So it's been awesome. No, I love it. I mean, you keep reminding people intentionality matters and you put in family at the forefront, and we all put family at the mm -hmm. forefront, but um, you definitely emphasize that that is the priority. Absolutely. And yeah. uh, I love how I think I think you're really reminding people that, you know, you, you do have to make an income mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes money's taboo or whatever the case is. But Lana and I always talk about money buys experiences yeah. Yeah. and you really want to focus on why you are generating income, whether it's active right. or passive. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's it's leading you to that experiential life. Right. And uh, that's so refreshing to hear because it's like, are we working to live or are we living to work? Yeah. 
And so really excited that, that you brought that up. So what's your favorite outdoor activity? Oh, that's tough. I, I think I'd have to say skiing. skiing. Uh, I actually just got into skiing the first winter after we were here. So I've only been doing it for two seasons. And uh, luckily, my wife is a pretty good skier. So she, she taught me and my, my partner, Charlie, uh, we do a real estate trip, uh, ski trip every year. And uh, he taught me a lot as well. So I was hitting some black diamonds last year, second, second ski season, which was really fun and a bit terrifying. Uh, but yeah, I just love skiing. I think part of it too is it just that just really gets you away from everything else and just lets you focus on nature uh, around and um, and not to mention a little bit of adrenaline rush. So it's good. Yeah, yeah. I think skiing would be would be up there for sure. Please take care of yourself. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, need you back. Yeah. Uh, but um, so before we end, you know, I really want you to leave something with the audience because we talked about real estate ventures, balancing medicine and real estate, community building, your outdoor adventures. But, you know, what do you want to leave the crowd? Because I, I think what was interesting is you talked about fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I could imagine that's going through a lot. For do, sure. do you want to leave something with the audience? Yeah. No, you actually hit it too. You know, I, it fears and it ties into just getting started, you know, and I think that, that's the biggest thing. The biggest hurdle that, that has to be overcome is is the fear, you know. And I think about folks who are really worried about investing in real estate, and including myself when I was first getting started. Worst thing that happens, you lose a little bit of money or you go back and ask for your old job back. You know, if you quit your job to get all in into real estate, worst comes to worst, you just go ask for your job back. And so I think really just getting started is the most important thing. And, and, and a component of that is networking and surrounding yourself with people who are gonna pull you up the mountain with them and make you better every day. And if you do those two things, oh, it's just amazing what you can accomplish in a short period of time. Boom. Yeah. That is incredible. Thank you so much, doctor, for your time, (laughs) your, your nuggets, your passion. I'm so excited for what the future holds for you. Uh, the impact you're going to make in Colorado Springs and and the experiences you're going to have with your family. So thank you. Yeah. Appreciate everything you've done for me too. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) 